0: Hello and welcome to European Movement Ireland's Just The Chats podcast, where we chat to guests to discuss matters of importance and interest to Ireland, Europe and beyond. My name is Noelle O'Connell and I'm the CEO of European Movement Ireland. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest for this Just The Chats podcast, Dr Nora Patton, who is certainly going beyond Ireland and Europe. And for our listeners, Nora is an aeronautical engineer as well as a bioastronautics researcher. And Nora has participated in the International Space University Space Studies program. She joined the International Institute for Astronautical Science as a Citizen Science And not only that, very impressive bio, she is a STEM advocate and an award-winning author, having published a children's book titled Shooting for the Stars and is going to be Ireland's first space astronaut. Am I right, Nora? Yeah, that's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) A very warm welcome to you, Nora, and congratulations on launching your sponsorship campaign for getting you into space. What an amazing step forward to Ireland. Can I say having a seat at the table in space exploration or am I mixing my metaphors there? No, absolutely. And thanks so
1: much for that uh, wonderful um, introduction. It's my pleasure to, to join you on the on the
0: podcast. Ah, oh, great. I mean, I have a lot of uh, dad jokes and puns about we are very starry-eyed to have you here <laughs> uh, today with us, uh, out of this world and, and all that, because we normally stick to matters on terra firma, but uh, it's fantastic to have you with us here today. Uh, you might just tell us a little bit about your interest in all things space. I think it began at a very young age. So so how does how does a young girl from Ballina begin <laughs> that, that
1: space quest? Yeah, I I, I guess a, a very um, non-traditional route Um for me, as I was growing up, so I, I, as you say, I grew up in Balna, County Mayo. When I was 11, I was uh, just going into sixth class in national school and we went on a family holiday to Cleveland. And people often say, why? Why Cleveland? You know, it's in the the, the middle of nowhere, really, in the US. But uh, my relatives um, on my dad's side and on my mother's side, so my mother's sister and my dad's family um, moved to, to Cleveland. Um, so I have a huge patent family um, in Cleveland and I just think it kind of goes to show the importance of the Irish diaspora uh, all over the world and just how that has Impacted um, many of us, and when we went on the the family holiday, I got to visit NASA in in Cleveland, and that was just an eye opener. I just I just, something sparked. And ever since then, I've just loved space. Uh, it's been this kind of lifelong uh, love. And I think it's it's been a constant progression, um, you know, through studying engineering and participating in ISU and now with the Citizen Science programme. But uh, yeah, I think it's been absolutely amazing to see how the industry has uh, moved and changed over the past
0: couple of decades. Absolutely, and and I think you got a, a shout out by President Biden when he was in Mayo. <laughs> am I right? I did. I must have watched the clip back about sixteen times,
1: and I still, I still can't believe it. But um, an absolutely amazing um moment, you know, to have your name mentioned by the President of the United States. You know, he obviously has heritage from Ballina, yeah. um so an amazing link for for Ireland, um, and and for the West of Ireland, um, to have that close connection with the the, the President. Absolutely. So, are you are you first citizen of Ballina? Oh well, <laughs> I I think with Mary Robinson, you know, I think uh, I it, it's amazing actually to see the the people who've who've come from such a small little town, um. But very
0: proud, you yeah, know. Absolutely, two fantastic formidable women, and Nora. Just in terms of the space sector, obviously, it's 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 really. You know, it's a burgeoning growth area. Estimates say it's, it's worth about 500 billion globally, creating really exciting opportunities across many domains, you know, from your perspective. And I know recently you met with uh, Minister Neil Richmond, who is effectively Ireland's Minister for Space, has responsibility for the space portfolio. How do you see us in Ireland harnessing our tech and development sector t- to that advantage? And contributing to, to this growing space sector? I mean, because you're really at the, you know, at the very heart of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I
1: think, um, you know, you look at how it has grown in terms of commercial opportunities and um, commercial economic growth in the past, even the past decade, it's really been on the rise. Um, so, yeah, as you say, estimated to be about half, half uh, 500 uh, billion at the moment. I've seen projections saying the sector will reach 1 trillion in in the next decade or so Um, might be a bit bullish but still it just gives you a sense of it's growing uh, year on year and um, I mean absolutely for Ireland um, it's you know we're a very smart nation you know very technology driven um, and I think there's probably layers of how companies can um, get involved you uh, I've recently started working with an Irish uh, space startup called Railtra and I think they're a great example of how they've been able to leverage national funding for example um, Enterprise Ireland funding uh, through the Agile Innovation Fund um, and then use that that funding to really research the kind of tech and the business case for different space products um, and then following on from that there's our membership in the european our irish membership in the european space agency allows companies to participate you know to bid on certain uh, programs and projects and to work with companies from across europe and to build um new technologies and really to kind of um you know increase their foothold in the sector and um, and then that then allows companies to work commercially so they have commercial products, commercial projects, commercial, you know, stuff going on uh, in their organisation where they can work with big primes and, and other organisation, o- other organisations across the world um, on commercial,
0: commercially focused projects. Right. And 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 tell me, like, so does Ireland have a, have a space strategy or do we have a space agency? Are we comparable to say we normally compare with the Nordics in terms of population size? Where do we fit on the space ecosystem? As you mentioned, I met with uh, Minister Richmond um, just recently.
1: Um, it's been fantastic, I think, for the sector to see the increased support. Um, so just in the recent budget, there was an extra £3.3 million, uh, dedicated to the space um, fund um, because there are all these opportunities for companies to, 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 to take advantage of, of the sector. Um, in terms of where we sit, um, we are we we put in ireland puts in less than half of 1% of the european space agency budget um so okay. we're still on the lower end and um, but i think it's it's it is great to see the number of companies uh, getting awarded ESA contracts on the rise, and that's that's European Space European Agency. European Space Agency contracts, absolutely. Um, and so in
0: what areas now? Just g- can you give us an example of what would the contracts be for?
1: Yeah, d- different areas. So, for example, uh, artificial intelligence for satellites. Um, so you look at the satellite market and its projections over the next decade. Um, one hundred thousand satellites. One hundred thousand satellites. Uh, are, yeah which is is that additional
0: in- to what's already
1: yeah i mean there's there's a, f- a few thousand there at the moment um but you you look at kind of the projections i mean if you can add in ai um to make the satellites smarter um, more autonomous um you know allow more commercial off the shelf they're called cots components they're cheaper, um, uh, but allow them to to be used more in satellites, you're bringing the cost down um, and using AI, artificial intelligence, you can kind of um, make them a bit more rugged um, um, for the space environment
0: and Ireland we recently launched one didn't we or, yeah, yeah
1: yeah for sure so that was a, a massive milestone i mean for for Ireland to have its first satellite um uh and the the it's it's looking good i mean the telemetry the the you know Beacon is uh, responding back <laughs> to to to. Uh, so it's the, like the
0: Mars rover the, probe is sending a homing exactly, beacon.
1: Exactly, exactly. But um, I mean that that's you know been a you know I think there was about fifty students who participated um, you know during the life cycle of of sending that uh, satellite to space. Um, a number of different Irish companies uh, manufactured different components, um, so it's really. Uh, Brilliant to see, you know, researchers and industry come together to make it happen.
0: And your own company, Realtor, what what, what do they do? What areas are they involved in?
1: Yeah, so they um, I've been following them for the last couple of years. And I mean, they're really just very innovative, very progressive. And um, uh, just recently uh, we had a, a, a signing of um, a one million euro Commercial contract with um, Ariane Group, which is a French rocket launch company. Um, And so, Railtra have a a few different projects with Ariane. Um, They make the video telemetry system, so the video, the cameras that go on the rocket and actually, you know, take that footage, you know, that footage that we all can watch of the rocket launching into space. That's actually Irish built. Uh, cameras and telemetry systems. Isn't so that fantastic? It's amazing, yeah. And I mean, um, the James Webb Space Telescope, which launched um, twenty Christmas Day 2021, that absolutely iconic um, footage of the James Webb leaving the rocket and, you know, heading out on its final journey uh, into space was taken from uh, Railtra-built uh, cameras which, which is you know wow. I think for Ireland is just such a proud thing to be part of it was a massive mission a massively yeah. important launch and everything
0: so um, that's just one example. Fantastic and I'm sure there there are many more No, it's great to hear that and you, you've touched a little bit about um, the, the, you know the increase in private investment lowering the cost of launching of satellites I'm kind of thinking if there's going to be an additional 100,000 there there'll have to be like some sort of traffic light system going on you know <laughs> I don't know how all that will be managed but Um, The World Economic Forum recently reported um, that, you know, that the prospect of innovation such as these space based energy generation could lead to tourism, space commercialization. Do you see any risks associated with that or or what are your views on that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose
1: it's it's often that opportunity and risk are, you know, the opposite side of the coin. And but I mean. I uh, did definitely coming back to the whole launcher market. I mean, right now, Europe is absolutely at a crisis point uh, when it comes to launchers. And um, Ariane 6, which is the next generation of rocket launch launcher, and um, that's due to launch kind of mid 2024. Um, and then Vega C, which is another smaller rocket and um, that um, had a an anomaly where it exploded uh, last year. So that's been kind of grounded. They've been doing all the, you know, research to look at what was going on. So that's on the flight. That's on the path to return to flight in 2024. But um, Europe is really looking at how to change procurement of launchers. And, um, you know, coming back to the 100,000 pro- project- projected, you know, amount of satellites. It's 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 a massive area. Um, But um, recently at the Space Summit Council meeting, uh, where government ministers representing uh, the European Space Agency member states, uh, including Minister Richmond, uh, they came together and discussed uh, the role of space tech. And all of the 22 member states have agreed uh, a new way of procuring launchers in Europe and um, so it's going to be much more of a US model uh, where industry will be asked to provide the launcher uh, without very specific details being provided and um, so ESA the European Space Agency will act as uh, the anchor customer Um so it, it's it's very much changing in terms of how um, you know they're going to do business but um, that I think in itself, um, you know, it, obviously there's opportunities, but then the risks I think um, with something like that could be for countries like Ireland um, who we don't have a very well-established space industry at the moment. It's really emerging. Um, right. And so if you're not in a good position to start with, the risk is that you could end up getting left behind. I got you. Um, because the way the European Space Agency works um, to an extent is geo-return where the money that the Irish government put in to the European Space Agency through different programs so you have human space flight, you have you know um, all of these different programs that our government pays into that then allows industry and academia in Ireland to participate in those programs so it's geo-return um, so anyway um. You know, opportunities and risks are always kind of hand in hand.
0: And actually, just taking that a little bit further, um, Nora, which is which is really interesting. Uh, you know, that space policy, as you've mentioned there, it is currently a shared competence between the EU and member states. Is there much collaboration, you know, that, that we have in Ireland with with our other EU member states regarding space policy? and in terms of the european space agencies i mean do does every country have a you know is there a, a french space agency or ha- or how does it work who manages space here in ireland
1: yeah so um from the European Space Agency side, so we don't have a, a space office or a space agency. Um, so how that's done is through a delegation uh, through the Enterprise Ireland. So uh, the really the delegation would um, coordinate with industry and academia and stakeholders in Ireland um, to understand where the opportunities are um and where the money should be put in so that ireland can really benefit and um, so through through the delegation on the department side and on the enterprise ireland side um that's kind of managed
0: okay okay no no that's 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 very interesting and you you touched upon as well some of the the commercial and the and the industry uh the industry leaders. and and, of course, we've heard a lot about Elon Musk and SpaceX, you know, who have 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 really impacted on the space market. and and I, I think we've seen that the EU made some deals just as recently as as November was it with with SpaceX to seek its assistance in the launch of the EU's own Galileo satellites next year. Do you think, um, that there's an over-reliance on non-EU companies in, in this regard on SpaceX? Do we need to be doing more to develop, I suppose, you know, Irish or, e- or European homegrown rockets?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I think it really comes back to that point of, of Europe at the moment being at that crisis point. Um, but I think um the fact that they're they're looking at ways to change it so that the launch industry in Europe can progress quicker. Um, and I think that's really, really important. You look at SpaceX, I mean, it absolutely turned the industry um, upside down in many ways. You know, reusable launchers and um, I- it- explain reusable launchers. Sorry, yes. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so yeah. um, launchers like rockets that actually, yeah. you know, launch off the earth and then part of that rocket actually comes back down and like uh, lands itself so recyclable um, basically Exactly, wow, yeah exactly yeah. so if you think um you know there's massive cost involved in building testing launching anything so if you can reuse whatever you can reuse it's going to bring the cost uh of the launcher down so
0: what would the cost be of an average launcher and
1: um, it depends so it depends on the size it depends on the weight it depends on where it's going um so this there's kind of multiple factors, um, but uh, I think you know when you lo- look at SpaceX, like they they initially started off with their cargo, so no humans on board, um, rocket, and and then through the uh, commercial crew program with NASA, developed the crewed rocket, so you know the space shuttle. Retired back in 2011, the US had no way of launching Americans from American soil for many years. So they were very dependent on on Soyuz. So I suppose it's not unique to Europe to be in a kind of a crisis Mode at the moment, um, in terms of the launchers, but it's just great to see um the member states and the European Space Agency really pulling together to see how they can mitigate us for for future decades.
0: So, is it a goal that all the European rocket launches would 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 kind of be sourced from? European led companies or, or or is it just is it a really interconnected global global space market and you just go with where the technology is leading?
1: It's really to get sovereignty for Europe. So, yeah, absolutely. To look at companies in Europe that can create and develop and launch rockets. And um, there's a lot of activity happening at the moment in terms of development um, through EU uh, funded programs. For example, there's a Salto Project, uh, taking place at the moment. So Railtra are participant participating, um, in that it's looking at developing a, a reusable uh, launcher, so one that launch and and reland for for reuse. Um, so there's a lot of different activities, different companies, and I I think this kind of strategy of the European Space Agency to move to more of a commercial type model. Some companies will progress and. Thrive, not all of them will. There's a there's, there's a lot of activity. I think
0: that's just the nature of it. Sure, uh, you know, I uh, know very much so, and and it's really goes to the point of Ireland's growing reputation. I I think you you'd agree, leading on the technological hub side of things in a European and international context, which, of course, creates a demand, a huge demand for STEM skill sets. But but we've seen that studies have shown there's a real gender gap in terms of STEM, both at third level and and in the workforce. And I think we saw in a in a in a recent um, OECD report that a quarter of those working in STEM industries in Ireland were women. So only only a quarter, really, and and very little increase in that number since 2018. And I know you're a really passionate uh, STEM advocate and, and a champion for it you know from your perspective nora why do you think we need more women and girls in stem and how can we and and particularly you are already uh, encouraging uh, encouraging them to pursue a future in stem industries uh,
1: yeah i mean this this is a question i get asked
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: as you can imagine um very very often um i i, I and i think the answer it's not a one Line answer. I think there's so, it's so multifaceted. There are so many elements and aspects to society, to education, to work, to supporting uh, all of those kinds of elements. And I think, you know, why do we want representation at all? I mean, there's so many answers to that. And, you know, society is made up of many different. Kinds of people, kinds of backgrounds, kinds of um, uh, you know personalities, all of those things, um, and it, it you know in terms of the gender balance, um, it was interesting to to read through the recommendations on gender balance in STEM education that was that was published last year. Um, which highlighted that you know we need to move away from seeking a change in girls attitudes beliefs and behaviors to change in structures policy and broader representation in stem uh, in society so um i i think it it really it, every single one of us feed into creating um an inclusive society and inclusive environment and inclusive uh, work environment, all of those things. And um, I think there's been very much a, a lot of a awareness of the fact that, um, you know, there is statistically a much fewer girls, particularly in some kinds of the STEM areas like engineering. Um, but uh, you know, I've I've worked with the BT Young Scientist um in previous years, uh, Science Blast, and um, you know there's there's so many great initiatives that young people can get involved in. And then on the, the university side, I mean, there's some great supports now for, for young girls, you know, financial supports, uh, mentor supports. So I, I think the fact that it's 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 been highlighted um, means we can all actively uh, do something about it. Um, but in saying that, I think you know, you can you know, look at children's clothes and yeah. children's toys. And I mean, It drives me mad (laughs) as a mother of an almost two year old girl to go into the shops and to see uh, the dinosaurs and rockets for the boys and the daisies and unicorns for the girls. I mean, it's it's very segregated. And I think we all need to be mindful that just let kids be kids and
0: kids. whatever they're interested in just to support them in that. Absolutely. And and is your little one, is she is she following in your footsteps? Do we have a burgeoning oh. astronaut in the making? <laughs> I'm
1: doing my best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know. And actually on that, our, our youngest listener and and big fan of yours, Nora, uh, Holly from Antrim is the niece of uh. of one of our colleagues here, and she was really excited and uh, uh, about about us doing the podcast with you, and wanted to know about black holes. What can you tell us? <laughs> tell Holly and the rest of us what are so, what are black holes?
1: Do you know what I'd love for Holly to do is to take the question and do a
0: project at
1: school, and I'd love. Well, to there hear you her go, go, Holly. Homework yep. for Holly,
0: <laughs> and it'll be corrected by Nora. Is that what you're saying?
1: I, I. I <laughs> (laughs) I I mean, I get letters and messages from kids all the time, but I just love to see when they do the space project. So I'll throw that back at Holly and I'll say, (laughs) tell me what you find out about
0: space and black holes. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, there you go. How about that? And, you know, I mean, for for all of us listening, we've we've often said about, you know, one thing or another it's not rocket science, but for you, it actually is all about rocket science. What was it like, tell us, to study at the International Space University? You know, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I participated in the uh, space studies programme in 2010, which is mad to think it's that long ago. But um I just it was a real eye opener because I had gone through the undergrad and PhD um, in the University of Limerick. Is that with engineering? Engineering. Yep, exactly. Um, so aeronautical engineering was the the basic undergrad. And then, um, you know, space is just so international. It's so multidisciplinary. And I think really that, that the nine week programme at the Space Studies programme was just the eye opener i needed to understand how global um the the space sector actually is and where was that uh, it was hosted in strasbourg in france um but the the program moves around every year so it's hosted in different locations so I was uh, lucky enough to be able to stay part of the uh, the, the program um, for many years after I participated and I have my global faculty status and um, with ISU now, which is great. Um, but, and uh, what
0: does that mean? Do you lecture? Yeah, yeah. I've
1: lectured, I've chaired departments, I've um, chaired a team project. Um, so, uh, again, it's just been a, a great way for me to be part of an international space community and um, to understand where the industry and the market is at. Um, you know who are the big players. Um, what are the kind of big moves uh, at the moment in the industry? Um, and and from a networking perspective, I mean it's been um, been brilliant um, because you know we talk about commercial. Access and, you know, the risks involved, but look at the opportunities and, you know, something I was able to do almost 10 years ago now was to work with a commercial company called NanoRacks. And I had met the founder of NanoRacks at ISU. Um, so, you know, I became aware of what their company was doing and I could see all of the the the. Uh, people and the industries and academia they were collaborating with um, to send experiments to the space station. Um, so NanoRacks have facilities on the space station for commercial use. Um, so I was able to collaborate with them uh, back in 2014 and send the first student experiment from Ireland to the space station. So you
0: know, so you hold that very proud record.
1: Uh, absolutely, because I, I I heard of them working with other. Uh, nations. And I thought, well, why don't we do this in Ireland? Um, You know, because the opportunity is there. And I think that's where, you know, I really feel ambitious for Ireland. I've seen the changes in the sector over the past few years. And I think, you know, human spaceflight for me and flying on a suborbital is absolutely going to happen. And I, I I, think,
0: imagine the impact it's going to have across the whole of the country and on that point you, you know you've stated your ultimate goal is to to fly on that suborbital space flight making you the first irish person in space tell us a little bit about that how do you even start yeah. uh, what's the journey what are what are the steps involved
1: yeah so i suppose um i've been so many years you know paving this path to space and I, I joined the International Institute for Astronautical Sciences, IIAS, uh, back in 2017 and it's really been through that program again, I'll highlight, you know, the commercial access and um, uh, we've been able to work in partnership with um, a company called final frontier they were nasa funded to develop a space suit and um, so on the program you know we were able to test that suit to pressurize it you know to see what it would be like to actually wear a space, space suit, suit inside a launch vehicle so you know an amazing opportunity for 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 nations all over the world it's a very international um organization um and we've we've done multiple microgravity flights so that's essentially where things float um, so you can mimic what the space environment would is be like. And like. um, but you only get about maybe 15 to 20 seconds and you've done
0: have you done a couple of those i
1: have yeah i've done several of them now um and they're done in collaboration with the national research council in canada so again very much research focused um you know the 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 IIAS have very good connections and links um with various um industries um and very excitingly uh just in november this year our first researcher got to fly with Virgin Galactic. Um, so that was a massive milestone for all of us in the community who have been really pushing hard to try and make this happen. And I just think, you know, f- for Ireland, um, we will have a seat at the human spaceflight table. And, um, you know, my absolute goal and ambition and drive, um, you know, right now is to, to, to secure the funding uh, that,
0: that I need to make it happen. And so talk to me a little bit about funding. How how much would it cost, right, to get you on that seat on the, I was going to say the rocket launch, the plane, what is...
1: Yeah, so we're 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 working through all of those details at the moment. We're talking to the commercial launch uh, providers um and so v- I'm working very closely with uh, IIAS uh, on this um and uh, yeah, i keep an eye on my website for more updates. Okay,
0: okay. But it but it's kind of millions right though, isn't it? Yeah,
1: low single millions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's very doable if you look at what's at stake. I mean, you're you're talking about testing Irish research in space. Um, you're talking about human tended research where you have three to four minutes of microgravity compared to the 15 seconds on the, the parabolic flight. And
0: you'd be going a lot higher up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so um, between 80 and 100 kilometres is where the, the flight goes and you'd get your astronaut wings. And I mean, what an amazing opportunity for emerging space nations to be able to collaborate with commercial operators and send researchers to to space it's amazing
0: it's amazing and you know so so important from an, an Irish uh, perspective so I think the message I'm hearing is to keep an eye on 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 your various websites social media platforms and to watch this space because you know you you need support as well right absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: I mean and I, I just I I've had absolutely wonderful um support this year since going and launching the campaign to say like everything is in place bar the sponsorship now. Been really, really fantastic feedback and interest. And um, so many people have messaged me saying, you know, we really want this to happen and wouldn't it be amazing for the next generation to see this? And um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, funding is never easy.
0: You don't have to tell an NGO <laughs> anything about the challenges of funding, Nora.
1: <laughs> but I, I really firmly Believe we will get there, um, and I, I really, I want the you know Irish government to support it so that it's an Irish mission, a mission um, with Irish research and an Irish researcher. I mean, it's 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 going to be absolutely phenomenal for for Ireland to achieve it,
0: representing us in space. So, in terms of the timeline, okay, now to really put you on the spot, you might have heard this one before. So, are you going to get to space before Mayo win the All Ireland? <laughs>
1: I have heard that <laughs> quite a few times. <laughs>
0: Sorry, the cliché jokes know, just keep on I, coming.
1: Well, I'm I from my perspective, I'm pushing hard um, to make it happen soon. So who knows? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, well, look, that's putting it up to the Mayo, the Mayo footballers, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, and and tell me, Nora, I, I uh, you've you've published your own book, the the absolutely wonderful and and beautiful shooting for the stars children's book, but but for yourself, I mean. Are you interested in sci-fi or, or are you, you know, are you a Star Wars, Star Trek fan or what's what's on your Netflix oh, watch yeah. list?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up watching Stargate SG1. Uh, I always say that when I'm doing talks and I'm like, now I'm showing my age, you know, <laughs> the one with MacGyver. Um, loved it. Um, yeah, love The Matrix, Star Wars, all those kinds of things. Um yeah, I think it's only natural. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of um, that, that interest in, in space, do you, do you think will there be people on Mars in, in your lifetime or, or what do you see as the future when we're watching all these all these movies? Where do you see the, the potential or is it limitless?
1: I don't think it's limitless. I think Mars is probably further off. Um, you know, we're, we as in the, the space world uh, with the space agencies are currently working to get people back to the moon. It really depends on how quickly that happens and then that's going to be their launch pad for.
0: Why hasn't that happened before now?
1: Um, Money, I suppose finances have been a big part to play. I mean there was a lot of money put into the Apollo program back in the 60s Policies and where money is spent, kind of, you know, changed, and the 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 focus went to the International Space Station. Um, but you know that's been there for over two decades now, with astronauts living and working on board. So we really would you
0: would you like to do that? Would you oh, like to be? Oh yeah, willing?
1: man, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love I'd love that. Um, but I mean, orbital flight, I just don't see as a financially viable thing for Ireland for the moment. I mean, the suborbital is absolutely within reach.
0: Right. OK. OK. So so we're starting with suborbital. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we, we, we'll we be ambitious. And a question I ask all of our guests here on our EMI, Just The Chats podcast, um, to, to really put people on the spot is what are their favorite european destinations uh, and and why so if you if you had to spend a weekend away on the ground where would it be
1: it's so hard to say um i think it depends on the time of year oh how do you pick one i mean there's so many be- and then ireland has so many beautiful yeah. locations um, what's the,
0: what's the view like when you did those those flights actually do you get to see like for for the for the microgravity flights um i mean
1: it's it's just like being in an aircraft. So you're looking out the window, seeing the horizon, but you're seeing it at a forty five degree angle. So as the I'm trying to picture the, it here, yeah. It's pretty uh pretty cool actually because as the aircraft pulls up and nose dives down you're seeing that at a very different angle so
0: <laughs> that sounds a bit nauseous it's, can I be honest
1: oh it is yeah there's uh, the, the the nickname for it is the vomit comet uh, for, <laughs> for good reason
0: <laughs> right um, but you're made of stern stuff that didn't happen you it
1: didn't thank thankfully but um but yeah I I find it very difficult to pick one one European destination actually um so I'll have to Think about that and come back to you. Come back, <laughs> right?
0: We'll we'll have to do a repeat podcast when you when we get you up up in Absolutely, space to, yeah, to, to, sure. to come to come back down. Well, listen, Nora, it's been an absolute pleasure to today's European Movement Ireland just the chats podcast guest, the amazing Dr. Nora Patton. We had a huge level of interest uh, in Nora appearing today amongst all my colleagues and our and our listeners. So delighted to to have Nora with us, and a big thank you from us in European Movement Ireland to all our listeners, um, because this is the last episode uh, of our Just The Chats podcast for 2023. It's been an incredible year and I would like to thank and pay tribute to to all of our guests who've taken part um, across the year for such an amazing array of podcasts, chats, and conversations. Make sure to listen back on EMI Player or across all our social media channels. You can keep an eye on our events, engagements, and activities on our website, EuropeanMovement.ie. And until the next time on Just the Chats, Slonga Gafal.